0: You're listening to The Plain Label Podcast. I love movies. It's my whole life, and that's it. Hello, and welcome back to The Plain Label Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Williams, and in this episode, we begin a look at director Martin Scorsese with the films Boxcar Bertha and Mean Streets. Joining me once again for this theme is longtime guest, Mr. Benteed. Hello. Thanks for having me. Mm-hmm. Before getting into our discussion, I would like to mention that we are still proud members of the Deliberate Noise Network. Search Deliberate Noise in your podcast app for more great shows from the network. Mr. Teed, what are you drinking this lovely Wednesday evening?
1: I got a curbside service at my, at my town. It's uh Alcohol store.
2: at <laughs> alcohol they brought store. Out, my
1: alcohol store and they brought out a six pack of Lagunita's Little Something Something Ale.
2: Ooh, I did um, I love
1: that classic. one. I classic. like that one a
0: lot, yeah. And I
1: just needed something. Listen, Daddy needs something. <laughs> uh <laughs> after a hard, hard, hard work. Hard week of work,
0: and mm-hmm. uh, that's what he got. So after, go. after
1: little little baby goes to bed, little something <laughs> something male comes out.
0: I like it. So, <laughs> I like it. So this is uh, this is something that I'm having for the second time on the show. It is from Dogfish Head, and Ooh, it yes. is called the Namaste White. It is a Belgian style wit beer, and its uh, little description is our Belgian style. Our belgian style white ale brewed with delicious dried orange flesh and peel fresh cut lemongrass a bit of coriander peppercorns and a generous dose of good karma wow. and i taste about maybe a third of those things i don't know that i i don't know that i have the, a refined enough beer palate to where i can get all of those different notes you can definitely tell that there's orange peel in there or orange flesh they call it but <laughs> but the rest of those things i don't know i can't i can't really tell and it's fine it's not my favorite i do like dogfish head quite a bit but it's not my favorite one that they've done so. i love dogfish head it's yeah. a good,
1: it's a, that's a good one
0: yeah so uh before <sighs> we get into our movies let's talk a little bit about our director so we decided on martin scorsese because we figured Let's just take on a legend. Apparently, (laughs) Uh, we figured Terry Gilliam um, wasn't—I don't know—old man enough, or wasn't like—I mean, I don't even know how to describe (laughs) the way that I feel about Terry Gilliam anymore.
1: He's—he's legendary, (laughs) but I don't know if it's for the right reasons anymore. Mm -hmm. There's definitely there's definitely a feeling to his movies, no matter what. Whenever you get into one, he has a distinct smell. To his mm. films, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure.
0: <laughs> and and so we had, you know, we had done some big time directors before when we were just kind of, you know, glancing at them instead of really doing a full dive into them. And so if people hadn't listened to our previous episodes, we did Akira Kurosawa, we've done bits of Stanley Kubrick, we've done some Cohen brothers. Isn't that a, isn't that it basically?
1: We've done Yeah, I feel like we've done You
0: said Kurosawa, right? Yeah, Kurosawa was the one um, that we really dove into. Some Kubrick yeah, some Kubrick yeah, I was i to say, Cohen. for the
1: most part, we, we've we stuck to, like, if we're doing the entire filmography, it's really it's, just
0: been... Yeah, it's been Terry Gilliam, because the character somehow how I had too many. Yeah, there's too many. Yeah. <laughs> like, and oh, I think boy. there's too
1: many here with Scorsese, but mm-hmm. that's not going to stop
0: me. Yeah, we figured, what the hell. <laughs> what the hell. So the way that this is going to come out schedule-wise is we're going to divide it into, I think, what we decided in either three or four big chunks, right? And then those will be released all together. So uh, that way these will come out in some kind of a orderly fashion because it is in May when we're recording. And I don't want it to be, hey, this is coming out in November and it's May,
2: (laughs) (laughs) which which may
0: be what it would be like if, uh, you know, because Ben and I don't get these on the regular, you know. No. We record them when we record him. So uh, before we get into these movies, tell me kind of what your general history is with Martin Scorsese. Like, is it a theater must kind of a thing? Is it a whatever now, he makes you have yeah. to see? Or what kind of is your general view of him?
1: I would say nowadays, if I hear that he's got a new movie coming out, I am probably trying to make an effort to see it in the theater.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I think Scorsese is a little, um, now I'm not, I'm not, talk- I'm just talking about in general, like, at, you know, when I hear that a new film is coming out, I think, well, he is pretty much like you look up director in the dictionary and it's him. Like mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. That, he is what I think of when I think of director. So it's almost like a basic, a very basic pick for discussion. But mm-hmm. I also think essential and in mm-hmm. terms of movie history and movie, uh, just filmmaking in general, I've seen a lot of his biggest hits, mm-hmm. but not a ton of his smaller ones. And actually I'm missing a few, like, like, uh, I think I, I had not, se- I, up to this point right now, I have not seen Raging Bull. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm very much looking forward to some stuff like that, but like, you know, like Taxi Driver and, and, um. Goodfellas uh, oh gosh. And... Good fellows, good good fellows. I've seen all that stuff as you know as over the years. But as someone who is forever going to be a student of film, no matter what, we should really take the time to go through this guy's filmography because mm. he is he, it's it's more like essential at this point. I mean, Kurosawa, you know, is 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 also, you know, would would probably be on that Mount Rushmore as well. Mm -hmm. a film you know but i think for american filmmakers scorsese has to be not only on the list but like near the top
0: yeah he has to be in the top five for sure
1: yeah absolutely and and i and regardless of you know he's going to be hit or miss i know i've seen stuff of his that i haven't really cared for Mm -hmm. um but i'm i want to look at these in the light in which from his perspective um And that's why I have sought out the Scorsese on Scorsese book. Yes. Um, Because it's a very easy book to pick up and start reading. But I defy anyone who says that they just picked this up and read it from cover to cover. Oh, yeah, I just sat and read it. it No chance. There's no way someone's done that because it is so packed with with, um, little tidbits about each film. It's almost like you have to go through this book at the same time you're going through his films.
0: Um, yeah, and well, I trying, when he's when he's talking about things like, Oh, you know, I showed this to uh, Brian De Palma or I showed this to Coppola and you know I was rooming with this guy and I was uh you know a student of Cassavetti's and I was this and you're just like throwing around these legendary names and yeah. you cannot just read them as like, Oh yeah, this is Joe Blow, who cares? And, and it's not, just it's not a biography it. either. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah.
1: it's just really just like a little bit of commentary, a little blurb, almost like a magazine article
0: uh length. Well, on each on each film. Yeah, because it's essentially transcribed from different uh, talks that he's given. Is and that the, right? Okay. Yeah, and then what's in italicies is what's the editorial right. comment about it, yeah.
1: And then the whole thing's filled with pictures and stuff like mm-hmm. that, so it, it, it's a really cool black-and-white book. But um, And you mine, have which
0: version, because I have, I, have I have an older mine, one than you.
1: Yeah, mine goes all the way up to Gangs of New York, so I'm in the revised edition, but uh-huh. that what's interesting and kind of crazy is the filmography only goes up to
2: 99
1: Hmm. or wait, uh, excuse me. I'm sorry. It goes up to 2003. So he has um, not made the
0: aviator yet then
1: he has not. Uh, the blues is the last film that it, it... okay. Well, no, the blues is made for television, but the last film in it is 2002 gangs in New York. Okay. So even after we go past the book, like I'm probably gonna be itching for some like resource that I can look up or whatever and see you know, or you know what there might be there might be I, I'm uh we'll talk yeah I, I I might have something
0: there might be <laughs> there might be things I might, you can find
1: I might slide something your way uh once oh. we get to that point see so. because if
0: you if I'm looking at mine mine I believe is the original one is that right because it's is a you young a it's a no it's paperback but it's a okay. it's a young looking Marty on it.
1: And I got a way older face on my face.
0: So. <laughs> yeah, and they're all, you know, they're all uh, basically formatted the same, right? You uh, also
1: picked a very good. Um, I would. I'm not Italian. I'm not Italian American. Not even close. Um, but I grew up Roman Catholic. Oh so yeah. So I, so I have this background that Scorsese also has, mm-hmm. and also was going to become at, at one point a priest, mm-hmm. a Catholic priest, and so um i do think i bring some sort of like if there's like a religious aspect to it i might be able to bring in well here's what these crazy people are saying (laughs) here's what here's what the roman catholic church believes and how it how it how marty is trying to say it in this film at least how i perceive it you know Mm -hmm. as a as a uh recovering catholic myself Mm -hmm. um and or recovering from i suppose <laughs>
2: um
1: so yeah i, I think i think this will be kind of interesting just because you know he's always been there in the background mm-hmm. not in the background he's always been in the foreground he's always been like this person who's loved film and stuff like that and you can see towards the end of his career towards the end of his career he's still going
0: but like yeah but if you saw him at the oscars not too long ago he's toward the end of his career
1: yeah absolutely and 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 the irishman is like we're we're talking right now in a in a sense that he is he, he in his um career right now where he we're coming off the year that he had just released The Irishman
2: mm-hmm.
1: and that project just seems so big and ambitious that um, it'll be interesting to kind of like as we progress throughout his filmography what what because he does have other films slated
2: uh-huh. to
1: come out and and that he's working on but it'd be interesting to see what gets announced as we go and like where this will take us and stuff like that. And, and also learning that language his his cinematic language. Cause he has, he also taught classes and stuff like that. He also has um, a series on uh, the history of American film mm-hmm. and, and like his history, his journey through American film. I believe that's what it's called. And so I, I think that, that um, this will just be informative to us, to you and I just as viewers oh, for and sure. kind of, we'll, we'll be able to like build a language surrounding what, one of the greatest American directors uh, has created, even just in the past, you know, 50 years.
0: So. Yeah, so for reference, my, the latest uh, my book goes up to is in 95 with Casino.
1: Oh, no kidding. That's okay.
0: the last one that I have. Wow. So. But if people wanted to read along with this, you can find this in numerous different places and for the cheap. Like, the the volumes are not expensive, so yeah so you can find them in places so okay well anything else about uh mr scorsese before we uh move into our first our first um
1: no i mean interesting interesting life leading up to joining film school and stuff like that
0: Yeah. little little italy is interesting the nyu stuff is interesting
1: you know being you know being born in queens and 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 having actor parents and stuff like that. I think what's going to be interesting, we probably won't cover some of these, but, um, if you want to look at, at his life and, and his parents, you can watch the short Italian American. I have not seen the short as of this recording, but the, as of this recording, the, the, uh, uh, Criterion collection has announced, but hasn't released yet the, uh, um, uh, Scorsese shorts. Mm-hmm. And I believe that Italian American short is on that collection. And so it, 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 it's, it's my understanding it gives good insight into, you know, a night with his parents and, and where he comes from and how supportive they were. And, and um, a lot of his um, short films are available, uh, whether it's on YouTube or, or, uh, or, um, or just, you know, I guess around, I suppose, Vimeo as well what's a nice girl like you doing in a place like this from 1963. It's not just you, Murray. Mm-hmm. Um, those, those are, are on YouTube. Two, right. Yeah. The big shave is also on YouTube. Don't watch that one. That one's terrible. Um, <laughs> it's just oh, like, I like it. it's, a, it's a hard watch. Uh, it's, it's about what? Six minutes long, maybe. Mm-hmm. And it's
3: yeah,
1: a guy, and there's a guy pictures just cutting. he's just cutting himself. It's just, that's all it is. Oh my God. It, it was, it was hard to watch all that blood and yeah. it's black and white. So of course it's like stylized and all that. Um, but yeah, no, uh, That like leading up to it, it's just all very laid out and, and very interesting about about his life and, and leading up to him finally going, you know what, I think I'm not going to be an actor. I think I'm going to be a director.
0: Yeah. You know,
1: <laughs> I think I've just decided. So
0: it is interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. So like, I, like I'd already said, I like uh, that those beginning pieces just to see kind of who his contemporaries are. And of course, you know, he talks a lot about um, and we'll talk about this with Boxcar Bertha and with uh with mean streets is he'll he relies heavily upon the people that he uh either are mentored by whether it's roger corman or whether it's cassavetes or uh coppola and and you get a little bit of a glimpse as to what those people were doing at the same time and so i think that that's always kind of interesting just to sort of throw you back in that time a little bit so oh yeah all right, well, let's go ahead and uh, and kick into our discussion. Our first film. Uh, it is not his first film. <laughs> his first uh, official film is "Who's That Knocking at My Door," and uh, and we're skipping it because Eric has OCD and because he wants to have <laughs> even numbers of uh, releases. And and frankly, there's no other reason for that.
1: They're there. they're really they're they're really. I'll just say this: they're really uh, simple. Um, they were probably experimental for the time. Mm -hmm. but there's definitely like comedic influences from that era Mm -hmm. that he was trying to experiment with. And so they're just kind of goofy stories. Mm -hmm. Um, and don't make a lot of sense. It's just him being a silly, silly guy. So, you know, I would say for the most part until, until you get to, um, Oh gosh, what is the, what is the one that, uh, was this was based on, um, who's that knocking at my door? Mm hmm that's kind of the first, like, feature-length, like, full-on film that kind of resembles what we're ta- what we're about to talk about tonight.
0: Right, yeah.
1: But, yeah, so.
0: so... All right, so our first film, it is from 1972. It is called Boxcar Bertha.
3: Boxcar Bertha and her boys took what they wanted. Now uh, 50s. 50s, 50s. Meet Boxcar Bertha. Queen of the Gun toters Invitations, please. I think we got them. Kitty he is right here. That's it. That's it. Yeah. The lady would like to say something.
2: Yes, I'd just like to say, this is a holdup.
3: Bertha was a fun-loving gal. Stand up. Sit down. Now close your
2: eyes and open your mouth. And don't move.
3: She had a taste for lovin' and an empty boxcar for a boudoir. I've
2: been lots of places.
3: You ever been with a man? America in the 30s was a free country. Bertha was just a little bit freer than most. Big Bill Shelley was a man fighting all the wrongs in the world. talker. He was a doer. Bertha and her gang made a name for themselves with the police, but the newspapers were too polite to print it. Boy, don't make me do
2: what I want to do. And before
0: we get into the IMDB, what I'm going to be doing for all of these episodes is giving a little bit of a, a quote from mr scorsese himself and these are uh, maybe or maybe not but definitely are uh ripped from the book <laughs> but <laughs> so he says uh, one of the things that he says is i'm gonna die behind a camera so the imdb plot synopsis for boxcar bertha goes like this during the great depression bertha thompson begins riding the rails and has a series of adventures some light-hearted and others deadly serious She gets involved with a less-than-honest gambler, Rake Brown, having to shoot her way out of a game when Rake is caught cheating. She also has a stint working in a bordello. She regularly crosses paths with a union organizer, Big Bill Shelley, who is out to get a fair shake, by legal means or otherwise, for for railway workers. They become lovers and take to robbing the payroll, and when necessary, Bertha even breaks him out of jail. The railroad has its own enforcers, however, and Bill doesn't meet a just end, however, it says. (laughs) Ah, I love it. I love you, IMDb. (laughs) So, Boxcar Bertha. Benjamin Teed, tell me what you thought of Boxcar Bertha.
1: I recently saw boxcar bertha close after seeing bonnie and clyde
0: mm, okay
1: and the similarities in those films are striking only because of like the southernness of it mm-hmm. like the passion and the fun they look like they're having being criminals mm-hmm. and going from place to place and like romantically robbing things and stuff like that and having like you know Lovers, you know, in the in the gang, and like getting jealous of the of the lover, you know, and, and so, you know, there's all sorts of different aspects to this thing. But with Boxcar Bertha, it just felt like there, this was just a B version of it, mm-hmm. very sh- very schlocky
2: mm-hmm. and
1: and rushed, and 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 not a lot of uh, uh, fingerprints that really felt like Scorsese's at and all. <laughs> no. Yeah. And, and like, and it really just kind of felt like going through the motions type of film, um, very dissimilar to who's that knocking at my door in mean streets, which I would say those two films I just said are connected in a very, very strong way. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas boxcar Bertha is really kind of an outlier, um, of, of, and, and what a weird one to start with too, because mm-hmm. you may start to see a few of his fingerprints towards the end of the film with um with the crucifixion oh yeah of course which of course i'm i'm going to allude to it now but probably not spoil it unless we're going to jump into it um but but maybe maybe there's a little bit of like you know like showing you what's happening but like the romanticism of of bertha and her um her love uh, uh her 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 like infatuation with big bill uh played by david Carradine uh there is this element of like like the like it's so fun to be a criminal it's so fun to go from place to place and hide out and 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 kind of be an outlaw and kind of be proud of that like heritage and be proud of just kind of being like a rebel and 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 stuff and both films have that but the heart of it like where, where you really kind of understand and you really get into the mind of these characters it really doesn't it doesn't exist for me in boxcar bertha Mm -hmm. it's really just event after event after event rather than taking the time to let us appreciate and wash over these emotions that are going through our characters uh minds um there is also uh uh there's a b level to it and also because of association with roger corman Mm -hmm. who hired uh hired he was big you know, B-level producer, you know, and, and he always tried to make his movies really cheap,
2: mm-hmm.
1: like, costing nothing. He made them quickly. And so, like, it was probably interesting to see Marty on set probably trying to, like, you know, rush stuff out and not really getting a chance to really tell the story in the way he would tell it and his voice isn't really, really, uh, uh, available yet. So I, I kind of came away from it, not necessarily, uh, getting much out of it, but, but enjoying it for, oh my gosh, look at that actor, look at that character actor from back then and stuff like that. Oh, I remember not only, um, not only, uh, uh, Oh no, what was this? It was, uh, Carradine, but his brother's in it too. David Carradine.
0: Yeah. John and David are both in it.
1: John. Yeah. John Carradine. And then of course, David Carradine, who I know from his resurgence. Yeah. um, Right. Early two thousands with the Kill Bill. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's fascinating. It's, it's kind of fascinating to see this now because it's just a, it's a Corman films in general. I, I haven't watched a ton of them. I've only seen a few. Um, but it's such a blind spot. But would be fascinating to see because I know. I guess I know when I see Corman anywhere near a film, I know there's going to be some. Um, um, I don't know if this is kind of derogatory, but but like lowbrow
2: mm-hmm.
1: to to the <laughs> subject. Like mm-hmm. it's not going to be taken nearly as as serious, or or it's going to be a, a bit schlockier.
2: Exactly. Uh,
1: than than probably anything else, and so I guess I kind of expected that from boxcar bertha and really didn't want and and could tell from the opening what we were going to get yeah um yeah well with
0: with that opening uh it's that uh dusting the crops and then like a uh the plane crashes and you don't see the explosion (laughs) the plane just kind of goes out of frame and they're like oh no and then the plane is kind of on the ground and the guy's supposedly dead and you're like what what is going on here? Why would you not show that, you know, except for money? Uh so I really struggled with with this one. I am you were t- just talking about sort of the B-level nature of the of the film and ultimately films are made to make money for the most part, right? I like yes. to I like to dream of a world where the only reason <laughs> that they're made is because of artistic expression, right? And this is also coming from a person who is... Uh... In the in an, in the midst of another theme, which is all of the uh, phase three of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, which I wouldn't necessarily say are for artistic expression,
1: but interesting that you're doing that uh, recording around the time of Martin Scorsese, <laughs> who has a couple of things to say about yes, them, yes, about he does. superhero films.
0: <laughs> and so I think it's so I think it's interesting that I liked that um, I like to think that movies are made to say something and not just be a vehicle for cash and so when i watch a movie that is of this sort of aesthetic i just kind of watch it and i'm like okay this is this is not for me aesthetically this is not really saying much uh, and if it is it's not it's not uh penetrating sort of my mind
1: I don't think it's saying anything. Mm-hmm. I think it's more. I think if it's gonna fall between doing something serious in the film, like maybe the jail scene,
2: mm-hmm.
1: with uh, with with all of them in the jail cell together
0: and well, you know, it, the, the, the attack that happens. And the, and yeah, the tone is so odd there. The the tone
1: well the tone isn't necessarily like saying anything profound. It's it would fall more in the line of like maybe an exploitation.
0: Exactly. Yeah.
1: Because it, it it's it's more just like here are things that are happening and not here's why we should, here's why we should feel this way about this character. Mm-hmm. It's more just like, let's just, let's just let this play out. And you could just see the events. And isn't that, isn't that, uh, doesn't that make you angry? Doesn't that, well, it's not even asking that it's more just like here, here are the events. Isn't this crazy? Look at this spectacle. And, and um, did you, so I'm going to like kind of, quote this chap the start of chapter three
2: yeah
1: i know i know it's about mean streets but it's it's john cassavetti's talking about oh yes yes
0: i was going to mention this as well so go ahead
1: okay yeah i'll just okay he just says marty you spent a whole year of your life making a piece of shit it's a good movie or good picture but Mm -hmm. you're better than the people who make this kind of movie don't get hooked in the exploitation market and just try to do something different
0: Mm, exactly and
1: and like I mean, I've, I've been watching, I've been going through John Cassavetes' stuff as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, recently, I've seen Faces, and I've seen um, Killing of a Chinese Bookie, and, uh, oh gosh, what else? Um, 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 uh, Woman Under the Influence. So there's all the, there, like, it's interesting hearing him, who is all about what you just said, the, the love of the art. Uh, you know, not, not about commerce, not about trying to commercialize a, 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 a story it's all about getting these feelings across and pointing them out. That is just what boxcar Bertha is not. It's Mm. just not about that. And we know better now, having seen, um, uh, a lot, a lot of, we know Scorsese's future here.
2: Sure. Yeah. We know, we
1: know he's capable of both. Mm. That's what's going to be so interesting. It'll be interesting talking about something like, um, about, Uh, I was about to say Joker, (laughs) but uh, Taxi Driver.
0: Taxi Driver, yeah, yeah.
1: Because when when compared to Joker, you could almost see that schlockiness, that like monetary uh, 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 focus Mm -hmm. on what will get people to react, what will get people to rise up, what will get people to like get get those butts in those seats, in comparison to something like Taxi Driver that might also get people in those seats. But also, it's going to tell them something about the time that they're living in, and about mm-hmm. the human condition of what war could do to you and stuff like that. So I, I'm only bringing up Taxi Driver right now because we're we're now starting down the road of him just getting started. Mm-hmm. You know, he's he's gaining momentum as a director and starting to hone his craft, and he's he's definitely good at it because the film is absolutely watchable. It's just it's just none of the None of the Scorseseisms are, are there just quite yet.
0: Yeah, there's no there, for me there's not really much of a, much of anything that really identifies the film as belonging to him, which is it does make sense that it is a Roger Corman production. It is a sequel to Bloody Mama. You know, it's one of those things where I ask my wife whenever I'm going to record a, on a new theme. Hey, do you want to check these out? I said the first one's called Boxcar Bertha, and she's like, No, I don't want to see that.
1: That first, yeah, that first name, <laughs> that first. Like I, I asked my wife this, uh, the a similar question: Would you like to join or would you, like, would you like in on this movie? And just the name itself, it's just it just seems so. You can't you can't you can't call it something like that and not expect to have like a weird like turn your nose up at it and mm-hmm. it just seems like schlock. Just yeah, yeah. Well, just and you have that opening
0: scene that I mentioned with the with the crop or the dusting of the crops where you have some really odd dialogue delivery and some really like first time actor seeming stuff and I was like God this is this is not it. maybe it's the 1972 of it. But I'm like, oof, I do not like this. You know, and I, hate, I was like, ooh, I'm in trouble already.
2: <laughs> That's yeah, what I wrote
0: down I hate, in my notes. I hate
1: just guessing like this and kind of like pretending like I'm reading in between the lines. But it does say in the book that uh, he had been fired from the honeymoon killers. Right. And was like looking for work and was given this kind of like as an assignment almost. Yes, yes, yes. And so like I, you and I can kind of tell. Mm -hmm. that he was looking for work and that there's nothing wrong with that because I mean, listen, you gotta get paid. But Mm -hmm. at the same time, like, I guess we're just waiting for the, the, the guy we know to come out, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, it's like, um, um, going in for, you take anybody else from this era, this like new era of Hollywood, um, Brian De Palma, especially, Mm uh, um, uh, oh God! American Zoetrope, uh, uh, Apocalypse Now, Francis Ford. Oh
0: Coppola. Coppola. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, he uh, he was like they're all about the art. They're all about making mm-hmm. this like you know message or something like that. They're not letting the studio systems, or at least attempting yeah, to not let the Yeah, it's new the Hollywood and,
0: stuff, right? Yeah. The um, George Hopper The mm-hmm.
1: yeah, Hopper's definitely a part of it. Uh, Lucas was like, vowing never to let the the. Hollywood system ever touches films again after American graffiti because mm-hmm. i want I want to do things on my terms. I want to be able to
0: make what I want
1: and and um who else was doing that type of stuff? I guess, like Spielberg too, in some ways he wants he yeah he, I mean wanted... he, I think
0: he's influenced by this group because it's a, you know a few years later
1: yeah, uh, but it, it's just so interesting to see to see these these directors come in at this time, especially when Hollywood is. Like they know the musical and the western's dying, mm-hmm. and they need something, and wow. so they're kind of just throwing a whole bunch of stuff like exploitative films and, and and monster movies at the wall and Hammer films and Roger Corman's got his his Hammer would have been later, right? Mm-hmm. Hammer would have been like in the 70s or 80s more.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay. Yeah, and you just kind of have that sort of grasping for whatever is going to work, and, and like Corman says in there, they knew that exploitation films got people into the seats and it just had to have some nudity some gun violence you know that sort of thing and they knew that they would get people to come to the movie or to stick out the movie or whatever and this does have kind of like i went and looked up to see how old barbara hershey was when because i was shocked that she's in this boxcar and nude and i was like what Wait a minute because I when I first saw it I was like well she's not very old in this I'm
1: never I'm nervous about what you're going to tell me well, how old is Well she?
0: she was in her 20s. Okay. And I was like oh <laughs> okay. good 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 good. You Did you hear that could... offer? Did you hear that officer? Okay, thank you. Yeah, I was like <laughs> ooh I don't I don't love this and then I looked it up and I was like oh, okay all right. She was born in 48 so we're all right.
1: She does have a there is a quality there. Like mm-hmm. there is some, there is some sort of there's some sort of uh, um um, um there's some feeling there with 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 her. I th- I think she's got a good presence.
0: Yeah, yeah, Barbara. Um, yeah, she's the only one. I mean, I'm not. I know that uh, David Carradine is is beloved by some, but I never really got it. I guess, and I think that I just missed out, like age wise, or something, because I was around fine for the Tarantino stuff, but I didn't I didn't know what the reference was to when it comes to Carradine. And so I'm like, oh, okay, there's just this old guy being brought back. Like, I don't know who this dude is. You know, like, I didn't see things like, I hadn't, I still haven't seen, like, the original Death Race 2000, or, or, you know, if you look at his IMDb, he's known for Bound for Glory, I don't know what, I haven't seen that movie either. You know, and so these things things in the 70s that he's in, uh, you know, I know of, I know of him, and I know of the name, but I haven't seen those movies before. And so when he had gone away and then came back and was a bigger a bigger deal with the help of Tarantino I was like well I don't okay but I, you know I, this this guy doesn't mean anything to me
1: there's also an element in Boxcar Bertha that makes me feel like another film I'd seen recently deliverance um, really in terms of like the southern I didn't see that... any
0: banjos there was no banjos but like
1: there's like this like like uh, um... Chest puffing out, you know, with oh, like yeah. the masculinity and stuff like <laughs> it that. It is a
0: very masculine time. Yes, they,
1: they try to at least in, in to each other, um, but ultimately, um, oh gosh, he's got a really goofy name. What was his name? Um, the one that always comes off like a like he's tough, but it's a uh, rake. But uh, rake Brown.
0: Oh uh, yeah, yeah. very yeah. Primus. By Barry
1: Primus. Yeah, a wonderful uh,
0: name, by the way, Barry Primus. Yeah. I love that.
1: That's crazy. So I, I don't know there's just something about about that as well that makes me think of not that they're in like na- like going along with nature, but there's this like element of being down here in Appalachia and like mm-hmm. being a part of all this and and walking through the 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 you know walking through the brush and 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 taking what they want and stuff like that there's a, there's like an ability of that in in similar films of the around the time mm-hmm. um, so
0: I so don't i don't know this i mean this is one where one of the other things that i wanted to make sure and mention that i thought was really odd was that we have and i don't know i i mean i guess it's not a mistake but did you notice that they have the credits twice so you have oh, really? you have the initial credits where it's kind of like in Large font and it's saying like Barbara Hershey, Boxcar Bertha, all that stuff, and then there's a little scene, and then it goes through the credits again.
1: I did not at know the that. beginning of the
0: movie, and I was like, "What the hell is this?" So Do again, I, I was like, think... "I don't, I don't know if this is like a aesthetic from the Corman era or from the late '60s, early '70s, or what."
2: Maybe
1: like to like extend running time or something. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. know. Like,
0: I'm, I'm not trying to be like,
1: I'm not trying to like throw them under the bus or anything like that, but. It, I guess that wouldn't surprise me to be like, eh, just run another five minutes of credits, and
0: yeah, I don't our,
1: know. Our, our running time will be longer because of it. So people feel like they're getting their money's worth, or
0: Yeah, yeah, it, that. I wonder. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that, but I was like, well, that's really bizarre. Like, what would they do this for? Like, I don't understand this at all. And one of them was had, you know, the the movie was playing while it was on, and the other time it was essentially stopping the movie. So I was like, okay, this is bizarrely constructed. So I don't know.
1: What do you think about the crucifixion scene? Like in terms of like maybe the the film itself, like what's it what is it doing? In, like maybe I shouldn't ask. That's kind of like a leading question. But like just what did you think of the crucifixion scene?
0: Yeah, just in general. Well, I thought it was I thought it was the most interesting part of the movie. I mean we have yes. we have the um, we have the opportunity to have a racial comment in that jail cell scene. Um, because one of the guys is, is speaking with, uh, Von Morton, the, uh, Bernie Casey character. And then the, basically the, is like a bounty hunter or something. It wasn't really like a sheriff. I don't think, unless my memory is, uh, faulting me, but they basically open up the prison cells and just blows everyone away. And I was like, is that because he's black and they were interacting with him, but they just kind of skip over that quickly um and so i was like okay well here's maybe an opportunity for a comment but then they just kind of skip past it but then at the beginning of the movie when they introduce big bill shelley he's he's basically like you know he's he's essentially like a liberal in this uh conservative part of the world right to where he's wanting like you know he's wanting uh just pay and he's wanting uh rights for everyone and that kind of stuff right, yeah. and so then at the end i mean they're they're Making an example out of him and nailing him against the, uh, the railroad because that's what he, or the railroad car because that's what he's, uh, was fighting for. And it was just kind of like, this is what happens when you, uh, when you go against this kind of a thing. But other than that, I mean, I don't, I don't know really what, I mean, obviously there's the, there's the whole, it being a crucifixion and the christian stuff but I, I was like what the hell like why did it necessarily have to be this i didn't understand that i guess
1: yeah i couldn't tell if that was straight lifted from like the book or something like that or maybe it was just one of those um it was like it was i it made me wonder it's just off awful, it's awfully convenient mm-hmm. when catholicism is all about the body of christ the eucharist and the sacrifice that jesus makes Mm-hmm. And to have that type of imagery from a a a I I would think probably still practicing Roman Catholic
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, putting that type of imagery in, within within the uh, within the within the film and 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 not and to not have that mean anything coming from Martin Scorsese I feel like it's just too coincidental
2: mm-hmm.
1: like I, I it almost has to be kind of from him um i in the in the book i think there's no real talk about it i guess i mean mean, they they mention it obviously but i i don't i don't remember whether or not i don't remember whether or not that was something that was created or not
0: yeah it does make me think i mean i'm kind of cynical enough about the movie to where i think like well is this a hey i'll give you another 700 but i want to see a crucifixion scene
1: <laughs> or just something you know? violent let's yeah. have a violent Give me end one
0: or it's got to have some sort of abrupt ending which Scorsese says he likes to do as we'll see in the next movie you know as like well maybe that's what he's doing i don't know <laughs> so i don't know yeah. i just i thought it was interesting but i did, i don't know that i got a whole lot out of it i guess
1: when was this in in terms of, okay so bonnie and Clyde i think was 67. So this would have been 72. So okay, so it's been a good five years. It's still in people's minds probably. Yeah. About Bonnie and Clyde and and like it just there's something about it that just seemed like well this is an also ran
2: hmm.
1: type of type of film. This is probably would have been well we say B movie but particularly that would be the second movie or the last film of the night. You know after they had ran the main feature.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: You know so it's just like that's that's exactly what boxcar Bertha is. It just feels perfect sitting there like that and you know probably got you know uh, scorsese everything he needed in terms of his you know director status and, and leveling up and just finishing a feature film um well no he, he had finished uh, who's that knocking at my door mm-hmm. uh the year before but
0: it just strikes me as the sort of thing that i imagine that uh the, like a tarantino would love absolutely yeah there'll be elements
1: in it but maybe the film itself isn't necessarily like
0: because it just kind of has that sort of grimy sort of dirty kind of a aesthetic to it where i'm like "Ah, i just don't want to live in this world i'm just right you know I'm, i'm watching it in the movies like a an hour and 20 minutes and uh you had pointed out to me that we could watch it on uh amazon prime with the ads for free yeah, right? It was included in the IMDB. It's kind of the best way to movies. see that, I think. And that's exactly what I was going to say. I was like, I am glad that I didn't spend money on it. And that's not to insult anyone that may like the movie, but I was like this is not for me and I'm glad that I didn't spend the 3 bucks to rent it. <laughs>
1: yeah, I yeah. So. I mean, it I I keep trying to think of a context in which I would want to see this movie because we don't really have movies like this anymore that can just play after the main feature like b-movies really kind of aren't even b-movies like this exploitative and all that i I just don't see them coming i mean i don't know how to i don't know what movies are anymore now that coronavirus has hit but at the same time
0: well i mean even when you even when you had uh robert rodriguez and tarantino trying to do the grindhouse films i mean this is like a grindhouse sort of a film yeah. It doesn't have quite the amount of violence that the a film like that would have, but this is that sort of style and, and I mean those from those directors did okay, but they didn't do as well they didn't do well enough to keep making them, even even as something just to do on the side. You know? It was just kinda like right. a fun experiment, but it it feels almost like that, that time has passed. So Definitely. I don't know. So anyway, so that's that's boxcar Bertha. Unless you have anything else about that one,
1: no, not at all. I I, I like I said, I, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to think for you know because I kind of come up with a, a recommendation. I recommend this one with a with a nice, uh, 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 Cabernet. Or something. You know, I make a <laughs> yeah. recommendation with this movie, but I can't think of a context in which you're going to be at a party and you're just bringing up the bringing up the film and be like everyone gather around it's time for box birthday." Yeah, like, let me educate gonna, you on this this isn't necessarily going to be one of those movies that is going to run any other time than when it ran at the drive-in almost 50 years ago you know yeah
0: yeah, yeah it's, it's one of the forgotten movies of scorsese and there's probably a reason why yeah so there you go all right so our second film it is from the following year interestingly enough to where back when you could do that sort of thing it is from 1973, and it is Mean Streets.
3: These are honorable men. You know, Tony, you got to worry about talking about one thing and then Charlie, you got to be like me. Tony, I just be sure and tell them to be here tonight, all right? Michael, Giovanni, you're still around, that kid Johnny Boy. This Johnny boy is named after me. Nice, eh? Oh, sure. But this Johnny boy is a little bit like your friend, Groppy. Half crazy. I understand you try to help him out because of our family and his family. Well, that's nice, I understand. But watch yourself. Don't spoil anything. Honorable men go with honorable men. Four honorable men and Johnny boy. Why didn't you make your payment last Tuesday? What do you mean? I made my payment last Tuesday. What are you talking about? Charlie, you don't know what... He's here. Where? Out front. He's here? Yeah. So what do I care? All right, let me go get him. We'll straighten this thing out, all right? Hey, wait a minute, wait a minute, Charlie. What? Well, you're right. I'm right. Yeah, was it last Tuesday? Yeah, that's the Tuesday. That was last week. That's before the one that's about to come up. My mistake. I'm sorry. Forgive me. It was last week. The week before that I was thinking of Four honorable men and Johnny. Hey, there ain't nothing wrong with me my friend. I'm feeling fine. Keep your mouth shut. We're not gonna pay. We're not paying. No, oh, but well why? We just said we were gonna have a drink. And we don't pay mooks. What's a mook? A mook, what's a mook? I don't know. What's a mook? You can't call me a mook. I can't? No. I give you a mook. Honorable men. They will pay their debt tonight in Mean Streets. <laughs> I see what you're doing. <laughs> mm. I saw you. What
2: happens when she...
3: You. you know, I borrowed money all over this neighborhood, left and right, from everybody, and I never paid them back, so I can't borrow no money from nobody no more, right? So who does that leave me to borrow money from but you? I borrow money from you because you're the only foggish around here that I can borrow money from without paying back, right? <laughs> because I don't get this issue by you or nobody else. <laughs> Come, on. Come on!
2: Come on! Come on! Come
3: on! Honorable men. <laughs> Honorable men. Hey, get in. Oh, oh, oh. Hey
0: and the quote for this one is directly from the film you don't make up for your sins in church you do it in the streets and the imdb plot synopsis for mean streets goes like this a look at a group of small-time hoods and hustlers trying to make a living on the streets of new york the story centers around charlie a loan collector for a mobster named giovanni He can be pretty tough when he needs to, but gets into trouble for cutting his friend Johnny Boy, also his girlfriend's cousin, a bit too much slack. His girlfriend is also a problem, as she is an epileptic. Wow, that is harsh. And Giovanni, who genuinely cares about Charlie, wants him to dump her. As pressure mounts, Charlie faces some difficult decisions with none of the possible outcomes to his liking. All right, Mr. T, tell me about you and Mean Streets.
1: I really, really liked Mean Streets.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I think it fits well. It is, it is the more refined version of "Who's That Knocking at My Door." Okay, Harvey Harvey Keitel also plays a, a similar role in that. Mm-hmm. And I would say "Who's That Knocking at My Door" is a little bit e- like even more sexual. Okay. Uh, than this. This one seems uh a little bit more. Uh oh gosh, like um, like sexually repressed almost in comparison. Um, and, and Harvey Keitel is kind of like the, like, I almost think kind of a stand in for, yeah, he's a, he's the stand in for Marty. Right. Yeah. And you're kind of going through this world, which I really like the world. I like like the red bar that they're in and, and like how they hang out and stuff like that. And, and just how, how shitty they are to each other. It really does kind of feel like young men, like, college age but not in college just you know ragging on each other and talking and being shitty and mm-hmm. and drinking beers and stuff like that and and honestly chasing women and being very disrespectful to them now being but, very masculine
0: but, yeah being very yeah masculine.
1: yeah but i think there's this like um i feel like i see this in other movies of scorsese's there's there's elements that are from this film that are just done better hmm and there were also moments in this movie that I was trying to under- And this isn't—I I, sounds a little nitpicky to me—but there's just moments where there's he's doing a tracking shot, uh, oh, you know, uh-huh. behind the behind the back, and I I honestly could not understand why why show that? Why are you doing this? Like, well, what is I, the what yeah. is the reason other than just like let me introduce you to my world? Exactly. Follow, yes, follow I me. think that
0: some of that is is we're victims to seeing it done before.
1: Whereas I, well, and, and I, it probably doesn't help that I've seen Goodfellas, which that is the tracking shot movie. Goodfellas or
0: Casino. Yeah. Any of those,
1: that, that tracking shot, particularly in Goodfellas is the, one of the most talked about scenes ever. And to see it in this film, like done, it's just, I don't know. I I kept thinking, well, in Goodfellas, they do it for a very good reason. Mm. And it's to show the world and to show, the power behind it the power behind this character and what he's capable of he can walk anywhere he can talk to anybody here it's particular it's very very specific here it didn't really seem to it was just kind of like a, a neat trick but didn't didn't really spell out anything visually or any, to really talk about anything mm-hmm. um for me i think some of the shots of like being drunk, and I, I don't know what it was. I call it the GoPro shot, I guess, because yeah, it's, like, it, on yeah. Harvey Keitel's
0: face. Yeah, he said that they built, a, they had a grip, basically build a piece of wood that they could put the camera in. And, he, and it was and probably he, just laid in there. And then, and then at the cool. very end, he held it, yeah.
1: Nice. I I, I think that works really well, and, mm-hmm. and some of that stuff. But I think um, kind of ultimately... Uh I well I will say this I think I think De Niro is really strong.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um he he comes out like fighting, you know, like immediately. There is ener- yeah, here there's I energy am. to him. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And I and I can't think is I, he might I, I maybe I'm wrong about this but I don't I'm not sure if he's been in like a film of note before this.
0: Uh yeah, think, it said that he had worked a little bit with De Palma, but this is kind of his breakout role.
1: Okay. And de- you can I can definitely tell that like there's like something here and there's something, there's definitely something to De Niro. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's really fun to see that. I thought that was one of the best parts of the the film was, was seeing him kind of go crazy or whatever.
2: Um,
1: But yeah, no, I, I, I rather enjoyed it. I just kind of often felt like this is like a lesser version of the Scorsese films I've already seen. Mm -hmm. And I might just be saying that just because, here we are at the beginning. He's learning his language. He's learning his cinematic language, and and how to say stuff cinematically. Mm-hmm. And and he hasn't been able to refine it yet. So once again, I think we're we're still within the uh, the the realm of, um, of of exploitation, but not quite to the refinement that is like Taxi Driver or Goodfellas or something. You know what I mean? Something like that. Sure.
0: So here's what here's what I'm gonna tell you, Ben, is I think the first time I saw this movie, I was exactly where you're at right now. Okay. To where I just thought it was pretty good, but it was like, okay, well, I've seen a lot of these tricks uh, because it was, you know, I saw it after Goodfellas, after Casino, after Departed, after all these other things, right? And so I hadn't seen it really that long ago, but I was like, oh yeah, 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 mean streets, I remember that. And so I put it on this time, and maybe it's because it was after Boxcar Bertha, but I was like, holy shit. I was like, now this is Martin Scorsese. Yes. It was my first note, right? Because you had that opening line that I read so poorly. The uh the line about, you know, making your uh making up for your sins in the streets, right? You have that, you have All of these different things where you have the, uh, you know, you have the Harvey Keitel character being Martin Scorsese again, basically, to where he says in the book that, you know, he would, he's felt like he was sort of Harvey Keitel in that he was known as kind of the nice guy, but if it came down to a fight, he wouldn't, he wouldn't be, you know, he wouldn't, he didn't think that he would be the type that actually would fight or shoot or stab someone. That he would just kind of smile and, and walk away. Where it was the differences. And so I kind of like the fact that you have this grounded central figure who, yes, uh, he wants to sort of move up in his uncle's, uh, esteem, but he seems like a, a good guy. Like he's a, he seems like a pretty good dude, Charlie does. Like for the most part, he while he and Scorsese brings this up in the book, and he talks about a lot how um, Charlie uses Johnny Boy and uses um, his girlfriend, which is Teresa, Right. and he uses these people, and I was like, ah, and that's I guess, the cousin of Charlie. Yeah, cousin of uh, the cousin the- of, of Johnny Boy. Johnny Boy, excuse me. Excuse yeah. me yes, yes. And Sorry. I was like, That's I didn't. A... I was like, I guess I didn't see that as much. And so, you know, I I read the passages after watching both of the films, instead of, uh, before. And so when he's talking about, well, this was this was meaning that, I was like, God, did it really? Like, I don't know. And so it was. A, it would be one of those things where I would maybe want to watch it again just to see if Chytil's character is really using everyone else as much as Scorsese implies that he is so i thought that that was kind of an interesting angle i like that uh i mean is i don't know that there's another introduction to an actor that's better than robert de niro in this movie like he i not in this movie no <laughs> because he comes into this film like fully formed as this is robert de niro this is a this is your next big thing
1: oh yeah
0: and he's got that wonderful uh you know just that beginning the sort of patter that i didn't think was a 1970s staple where you have um you have Kaitel and you have De Niro and they're going back and forth about when did De Niro's character pay Michael and he's like tuesday you know and he goes back and forth tuesday you know they this last tuesday tuesday you know and all that kind of stuff and it's just you know simple dialogue but it's like the sort of dialogue that you can see people having and you can see actors that kind of have it delivering the, the sort of lines to where if this, you know, this is just such a world away from Boxcar Bertha in terms of style, in terms of performance, in terms of, you know, uh, what the capture, what the, what the camera is capturing, because even though it's a year later, it's the same crew. So it's not like, oh, I got these expensive lenses, or I got this, this uh, DP that's, all of a sudden, you know, opening up the world of uh, this that, of the other. I mean, it's the same crew that shot the film before a year earlier. So it's, it's not, not insane. It's not like they got so much better. It's just material and location. And, you know, like you had said about the Cassavetes quote, it's this feels like something that is true to Scorsese and is something that he believes in, not a here, do this because you need to get another directing credit and you need to, you know, keep your name in there and you need to have some cash. It's, you know, do something that you believe in. And I think that that is a huge lesson in, in terms of people that are doing their own creative endeavors is yes. just, you know, you don't ever want to chase like a trend. You don't ever want to chase the exploitation trend in terms of what Scorsese did. And so he, you know, he course corrects really quickly and does something that he knows that he believes in, because he talks about, you know, this is where he grew up essentially in, in little Italy, little Italy. And, uh, these are people that he could see just around his neighborhood. And I just thought that that was, it it just worked so much better for me the second time around. And I was just really, really kind of taken by it just by, uh, once I kind of like, okay, I know that it's going to do these things that I've already seen, but let's, let's just watch them for what they are instead of, noticing what they are i guess yeah I, I guess yeah i i should yeah i i it worked for me as well hmm. i just i just kind
1: of i i suppose i just maybe i i guess i should say it felt more like i could see the the oh like you saw finger- the
0: puppets wires or something <laughs>
1: No, <laughs> no, 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 no! I could see the leftover um, fingerprints from the Roger Corman era. Oh, okay, interesting. I could interesting. see a little bit of like, like in in terms of this isn't purely Scorsese; it's more Scorsese, mm-hmm. but it's still such an exploitation film. It's still dirty. It's still like a like a nasty back alley bar, uh, and maybe slightly exploitative in terms of the subject matter. But what elevates it for me is the character Charlie
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, is religious, mm-hmm. and if we know anything about, because this is gonna, this has to be a straight up theme throughout all of Scorsese. Oh, for sure. There's this self flagellation that mm-hmm. happens with him testing his testing his faith by like holding his finger to a flame. Oh, right. And seeing how long he can hold it there. And it's just a very like
0: small moment for sure. Well, it's, it
1: happens multiple times. He holds his finger to this flame and it happens like during church and during these times. And, and it's almost like this, like test of faith almost. And like, you can see that's a very, and, and for someone like myself and probably for Marty, it's, as he's trying to, you know, showcase that in his film, I can understand that, like test of faith, that feeling of you're young and you feel invincible but at what point, you know you're a sinner, you know you're this and that, like at what point do you, at what point do you give yourself a break or are you, are you going to, uh, be able to resist, um, temptations and, 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 you know, you feel bad for questioning your faith for even, for even thinking the idea that any of this could be fake or just made up, um. And, and I, th- I find all that stuff very fascinating in this movie, but it's not spelled out. It's very, very subtle with those tiny
0: scenes.
2: Mm-hmm. And I,
1: and I, I want to say that there's more than that, but cause I, maybe there might be a confession scene of some sort, but
0: well, and he, he even has the moment where he, uh, he talks to God in the car and they make fun of him.
1: That's right. Yeah. And, and, and what ends up happening, you know, towards the end with the crash and all that, uh, it's, With the hydrant and whatnot Mm -hmm. but there's Mm -hmm. this there's this ability like almost like um like a rebirth in some ways with him and his faith Mm -hmm. but also at the same time a loss of faith so it's like it that it's left ambiguous of course but just adding that element makes it not the corman film i'm just saying i see the little the little um edges where where it was touched a little bit by that that influence and i'm glad it was because Otherwise, you wouldn't have that seediness that you probably feel with like a taxi driver or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just the machismo, you know, chest puffing out, you know, and, and the and the treatment of of um, of the women care the woman character, <laughs> yeah, uh, and and how they're and and also giving her. Giving her a little bit of like toughness and stuff like that too, because it is the main streets and 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 whatnot. But you know, she's she's kind of a, a she's kind of a nice, as uh, uh, I was gonna say, refuge in some ways for Charlie.
2: Well, but it this... is,
0: it is, and it isn't because he he feels like it's it's like a perfect sort of uh, summation of his Catholic faith because he. Yeah he fe- he does something but because he wants to do it but then he not only feels bad about it he feels like he has to hide it from everyone that is around him right so it's like his own secret shame which is like a a number one staple for catholics you got to have that one secret shame at least in my experience with catholics
1: i think so yeah there's like one yeah they got to have some either sorry. vice or you
0: got to have some sort of something yeah
1: one sin that they're able to be like yep yep i'm gonna keep going back and doing this yeah i just can't can't beat this
0: one thing yep yeah
2: great
1: how great (laughs) um but there's something to that though because because scorsese has um a love for french new wave Mm -hmm. uh, 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 school of film and and how um a lot of that can be um torturous in terms of its not not just subject matter, but just like how you know, characters you know have this existential you know uh, like beating up of the self and like mm-hmm. what's more Catholic than that, right?
0: yeah absolutely. you know
1: so like like and and then seeing that stuff flood in to America, maybe not with Scorsese at first, but like definitely Cassavetti and a couple others, you know that there's that there is an influence there and it's coming across, and he's he's almost inventing, I think with this film, he's inventing that, that Scorsese style. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, oh, for it, sure. It, might, for it sure. might not be
1: as sharp or refined. It might still be a little blunt, but it is kind of fascinating to see that just kind of fully form and kind of taking shape, but this film does not, it does not exist without Who's That Knocking At My Door. Hmm. I did catch that one, and it is a lighter version, Of this, and it also is a little bit, I would say, a little bit harsher in terms of its protagonist. The protagonist is like almost like a combination of Charlie and Johnny Boy, Mm because Johnny Boy uh, has this like almost caveman like uh, quality of him that you know, if you're just disagreeing with him, or or you know, if he does, oh man. And then there's this moment with Johnny Boy where he's looking out the win, he's looking through the window at his cousin and 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 Charlie. Yeah, and he's, and he's smiling like he's the Joker or something like that. Hey, I'm in here. <laughs> let me let me pop in. What a creep. Oh,
0: yeah, man. that's so, so that's weird because that's the moment where because good... they're waiting for like an hour or so for him because they can't find him. They can't find the De Niro character because he's supposed to give the they it was three thousand dollars and then they knocked it down to two thousand dollars that he owed the Michael character who's kind of like the smallest of small time sort of loan sharks that you could have but um de niro's character you know is is 1973 uh three thousand dollars in the hole to him yeah and and so then they're looking for him and they can't find him blah 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 they go back they have the secret uh love affair between teresa and and the charlie character and yeah then johnny boy de niro's character just shows up and he's and he's sitting there just staring at them through the window. And you're like, God, what the fuck? Like, what? How a... long
1: have you been there, you creep? creep? Yeah, really.
0: And, it, and just... they're not doing anything. Like Harvey Keitel's not. they're not doing anything. He's just like got his hand on her shoulder and just kind of comforting her. But it's enough to where you know that they're together in some way. And the thing that I thought was strange, was, which I thought you were going to mention, was at the introduction to Teresa. So they introduce her nude, basically. Right, and that's right. and that's the point where they're talking about uh, Johnny Boy is asking Charlie what he thinks of Teresa. What he thinks of what do you think of my cousin? Basically, so he's what he's saying, and he's like, "Oh, I had a dream where I did this and this and this." And he's very sexually explicit, right? And then it cuts to him saying sexually explicit things to Teresa after they slept together, and you're like, "What the fuck? Like, is this a dream? Is this something?" Because Charlie's kind of speaking in sort of like dream like logic in terms of the sentences structure that he's using like he's just saying odd things to her
1: right and this
0: is oh, it gives oh. you kind of a it gives you kind of a a glimpse that maybe it wasn't happening at least I thought for a minute I was like, what because this is the editing the, the way that it was cut was in such a way to where I could see that since he's talking about her and he's talking about basically sleeping with her, and then all of a sudden he's sleeping with her. I was like, well, is this like a fantasy that he's having? And he's telling Johnny Boy about what he would say to her and just to get a rise out of him, or what, what exactly is going on here? And then it plays out. But I just thought that that was a strange editing choice to where that was one of the moments where I was like, all right, he's just like maybe finding his way a little bit still.
1: So that is a trick that is pulled directly from... Uh, who's that knocking at my door
0: oh interesting so it
1: is done in such a way it doesn't involve him describing to someone it's just harvey keitel's character in who's that knocking at my door Mm. imagining that uh, what he would possibly do to a woman who is he's fantasizing about who's lying in bed and she's completely naked and like it's this sequence of him like almost dancing around this character and then eventually in bed with her and stuff like that and it's it's fascinating. It's beautiful, but also it's this. It, you're thinking in, along your thought pra- process that you just described: is this happening? Is this real? Is this what he wants? Is this what's really happening? And then it just kind of blends into the scene after they've waken woken up together. Mm-hmm. It's like, whoa! it went from him fantasizing about it to it actually happening in some ways. Or is it? You know, and it was just kind of interesting that that's the choice, but it's done in that very similar way. And maybe that's why it didn't have as a big of an effect on me because I saw the prototype version
2: yeah, of
0: the first. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and and well, you've I'm, seen, not you, that I didn't
1: enjoy it, but
0: yeah, like you've seen the prototype, and you've seen when he sort of perfected what he's trying to do.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I do think I do think it was done better in in, and it's not the exact same, but uh-huh. it is done better in terms of context for Main Streets. But there's this interesting like artistic quality with the black and white film, and 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 like. Dreamlike, surrealistic, you know, pattern of of what he's doing there, and I I think I really I really enjoyed that. Hmm. So yeah, I recommend both. They both are kind of companion pieces to each other, but Mean Streets is going to be so much more, so much more powerful and so much more uh, iconic just simply for the fact that you have De Niro in it. Yeah, for sure, and doing what he does,
0: and you also get the uh, the very strong um, uses of music throughout this throughout this film which is oh one of the gosh. things that is known for
1: that is yeah uh, real quick too before we move on to the music that's the other thing that um uh, the real creeper look to de niro and looking through the window that reminded me so much of a movie i, I think we're gonna get to i can't remember the list uh Kate fear yeah plays this he yep. plays this weird creep in it and is absolutely like
0: oh and he's got some really chilling scenes with uh miss arquette Yes. So anyways, we'll get to that. But
1: oh, yeah, we well, do have that. That's good. Yeah. Um, but anyways. That, that, so, yeah, this is also the first time that he's using. Well, no, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but he, this is the first time that we've seen him use licensed music,
2: mm-hmm.
0: like
1: rock music, stuff that he loved listening to at the time.
0: Yeah, which he um, apparently had to pay through the nose or Warner Brothers had to pay through the nose to get after the fact. Oh, I said yeah. Arquette. I met Juliette Lewis. Sorry, I had to look that up. I was like, wait a minute, that's not Patricia Arquette. I, <laughs> Juliette you Lewis have told is me a though, here. I
1: probably would have believed you though. Know, like seriously. Uh,
0: whatever. <laughs> I was like, yeah. wait, I think I'm gonna get a comment on that. I better fix this.
2: <laughs>
0: yeah. So yeah, a lot of music, that a lot of rock music, a lot of uh, a few operas, a few uh, uh, you know influences that he ended up showing in the video form from his uh, sort of NYU days. Uh, they put the little nods of things that they either went and saw, or um, you know, thematic nods or what have you that are uh, that are movies that get placed in there. But but yeah, I thought that the I thought that this just really felt like Scorsese for me, me because Absolutely. the book talks about the the use of handheld camera instead of everything being uh, tracking shots, and uh, they have the the nice little line where they talk to. Um, Oh, who is it that he talked to? The uh, the player director, Roger Altman. Oh, yes. And he talked about, you know, oh, you know, I liked it, but uh, Robert Altman, I should have said. But they said, um, you know, I wished uh, it would have been tracking shots instead of handheld. And Scorsese said that I told him if we'd tracked every one of those shots, we'd still be there shooting. <laughs> yeah. And so I liked that to where they talked about all of the different setups that they had during the day and they were really pushing everybody to get this done quickly. And, and it doesn't feel to me like a sort of rushed production in the way that Bertha did to where this, this you can yeah. tell that they rehearsed, you know?
1: Yeah. It doesn't seem like a cheap and, and, and the thing is that what I kind of like is during rehearsals, they kind of worked out the improv mm-hmm. of just sitting around chatting and talking. And even to the point where they started to, uh I, I learned from the book that they would if they were gonna fight they would pick up props like a like a garbage can oh, right, or something right, like, right. That. Yeah. like there was an element to that to, to to uh rehearsal that made the actual shoot and the final product that much more valuable um because because of what you find with with um rehearsing even if it's improv the lines the the, the little lines and what's interesting is uh, hearing him, I, I, maybe I should try to find the actual quote, but it's almost like they, he would tell them, you know, hey, so long as you guys are sticking to what we're trying to say here, I don't really care. And not that he didn't really care. Maybe I should actually try to, uh, you know, I, I couldn't let the actors go crazy and improvise. Yeah. I really had to cut it down and keep pounding into them. Don't forget to come back to, yeah, this. to, this, to, come back to yep. this line. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, then there's no point to the scene. Mm-hmm. You know, it's difficult that all you have to do is, is to agree on what you're doing what film you're making? You have to get to, out of the way immediately because the worst thing you can do, worst thing that could happen to an actor, is getting on the set and be like, "What does this scene mean?" Yeah,
2: what you have an answer,
1: about? but it's not, not his answer, and he doesn't want to hear it. And and it's got to drive a writer crazy, <clears throat> but <laughs> to to have an impro- improvisation a little bit and not actually have the scene planned out. But I think if you go in knowing the point of the scene you Mm -hmm. may be able to actually improvise part of it and it might feel a little bit better uh, because of that naturalness that comes from just hanging out. There's a lot of hanging out in this movie and a lot of like just dudes shooting their shit about something. Mm -hmm. And I think by adding that element, especially to Italian-American guys who know Italian-American guys in that era and what they're like and what they sound like and the music they listen to and the stuff that they're interested in, I think you'll find that – that it, it, well, they, they've definitely found uh, what they were looking for, mm-hmm. clearly, because I, I think those scenes totally work.
0: Yeah, for sure. For sure they work. So, and I, It also doesn't hurt that uh, supposedly some of the actors didn't necessarily get along.
1: I uh, wasn't getting who he was alluding to there.
0: Well, he says and, that uh,
1: – He, he says some of them were mean and –
0: well no he he's, just got used to it. yeah that was from the his original productions oh okay in this he talks about how uh, robert de niro and uh, richard romanus who played michael didn't like each uh, other oh really and okay. so when de niro was, yeah and so when de niro in that in one of those later scenes when he's at the bar and he's that's
1: saying that's right. he
0: pulls the gun and he says he's not going to pay him basically
1: He's egging him.
0: Yeah, yeah and like, he yeah, said that the yep, and he said that the the crew was feeling uncomfortable with the way that was going because they knew that the two actors didn't like each other. So I was like, sometimes Ooh, that's yikes. what
1: gets that gets you the performance you need. <laughs> that's true. I don't
0: know why that's a problem? No, that's true.
1: Listen, pain is temporary. Artists forever. Um, that's true. We, it's just one of those things that, like, I think ah, you, you'll notice directors. They all have all the ones you hear about still they all have a certain thing in common and it's, they, they put their actors through a lot and they put their, they're asking a lot of their actors and they Mm -hmm. they put them in these situations and stuff like that. So I guess you could, you know, maybe, maybe this is an entirely inoffensive thing. I mean, this is coming from the description that Marty is saying about, about what happened. I bet if you talk to a crew member, it'd be like, Oh man, I thought for sure they were going to kill each other. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but you know, the ethics behind it and stuff like that is very interesting because had they not done that, would would they have gotten that as good of a performance out of it? Yeah. There has to be some truth. Artists bring truth to the scene. So they have to bring the truth of the moment. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to do when you're trying to, it's hard to capture sometimes like theater. It's, it's great for that. Cause you're in the room, you feel that energy, but when you're filming it, it's, you have to almost, you know, it's all about tricking and, tricking the audience and and manipulating their feelings into knowing that this is real and that this is what you're seeing is, is happening. Um, and that, that gives you a sense of, of actually being there in the room. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that, that you can achieve that, um, when you take some of these tactics sometimes.
0: You gotta (laughs) do what you gotta do sometimes. So let me, before we wrap up, let me ask you, uh, about this little bit of trivia. So, I'm i I'm assuming that you noticed David Carradine playing the drunk that gets shot. Yeah. Oh my so, gosh. So he's the drunk that gets shot. Do you know who played the the young man that shot him?
1: It was like his brother or his yes,
0: younger brother? It is or Robert? Like that? Robert Carradine. Now do you know who Robert Carradine I, is? I don't know who that is. Robert Carradine plays Lewis, the head nerd from Revenge of the Nerds.
1: Oh my gosh. That's right. That looks exactly oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> How weird is that? Hmm. I would yeah. have never. What a weird family! <laughs> yeah. What a weird family is right? Yeah.
1: That's strange.
0: Yeah. So there you go. So there's a little it's bit been of a, it's been a
1: while since I've seen Avenger the Nerds. Oh, I
0: thought you celebrate been, their entire catalog.
1: You know what though? I, I'll be honest. Like, it, and it's the first one, right? That's extremely problematic.
0: I. In, ter- <laughs> in ter- I probably haven't seen them since the '80s.
1: Okay. <laughs> well. Let me. Yeah. I don't know how much I want to get into that one. That's a whole other talk. There's something problematic about those movies that I sh- won't share here. Oh, sure. That, that that definitely happens in a scene where it's just like, this would not work today. Mm-hmm.
0: This would totally be... Well, I can this, imagine because that's of a type of a... It's a type of a movie.
1: Someone is used sexually in a way that they aren't aware that they are. Mm. And it's 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 pretty much a... a like, a rape without knowing that it's a rape Uh, and and, uh and it's disgusting and gross but apparently the person that is giving is so good that the
0: lady lady
1: receiving doesn't mind
0: Uh, but she
1: is still unaware and so that's why it's weird um so anyways yeah
0: I guess I'm so, yeah, not. I don't remember that. Revenge of, the, that. Nerds. Yeah. Uh,
1: Revenge of one, the Nerds. One and a half out of... No.
0: <laughs> Who would have thought that uh, we'd be talking about Revenge of the Nerds with Martin Scorsese, right? It's all connected,
1: man. So, yeah. So, connected.
0: I mean, I was I was really uh, pleased with this the second time around. You know, this is a... I remember hearing people saying about how much they enjoyed this movie, and I was like, really? Mean Streets? I mean, it's okay, but I don't know. And And so I was glad with this revisit of uh, getting a chance to kind of just look at it without any sort of expectation on it and just kind of seeing it. And uh, I really liked it. I was really, I was really pleased with it. I, I do think it's interesting that Scorsese loves to leave people with the final, uh, final two minutes or so. Like that is something that he definitely likes to do. Cause we had the crucifixion that was right at the very end of Bertha. And then here we have the, uh, the sort of, uh, let's go to Brooklyn or wherever they're going. And then you have the accident and shootout and all of that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. I want to, I want to point out one more. Mm-hmm. Oh gosh. What is the guy's name? He was on the Sopranos as well. Was it Michael? I don't think it was the guy that played Michael. Oh shoot. Sorry. Mm, I, I, right. I, I'm sitting there trying to think of the guy, but he, one of the actors that I really loved uh, uh, seeing again, um his name is David Provol.
0: David Oh, he played
1: plays Tony. Uh-huh. He is a wonderful actor. He's great here. Um and uh and also he plays um Richie Aprile on the on the Sopranos. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the guy that marries Tony's sister. Uh-huh. And
0: and he's in Shawshank apparently.
1: Oh, is that right? You know, yeah, that would make he sense. He, he does Yeah. Okay. Man, I heard the other day um, that Shawshank Redemption is just a lifetime movie for men.
2: <laughs> it's so,
1: I, I feel like it. That's totally true.
0: <laughs> I like it.
1: But it's good, though. Yeah, It is man. good.
2: It
0: is good. <laughs> All right, well, anything else about either one of these uh, movies before we bid adieu to our first uh, recording of Mr. Scorsese? Anything else on the book that you wanted to mention or anything like that, Ben?
1: No, I'm going to continue to, I'm at least going to attempt to try to catch up with the in-between ones that we're not going to, that we're going to, you know, talk about. I mean, you know, cause there's a filmography list in the back that kind of talks about everything. Um, I may try to slip in some stuff depending on, depending on what's available. Cause sure. like, you know, with that shorts, I mean the, the shorts, Scorsese shorts are coming out in like another week or two, uh-huh. um, and I, I should I should be getting those distant and that stuff is all very early on, so we've kind of passed it already. Mm-hmm. But it'll still be fascinating to see beginning touches and beginning stories. Oh, for sure. Whatnot. Say,
0: oh, hey, in Casino, he actually took this from this, and
1: yeah, or he that. was experimenting it with it way back when. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's it'll be fun to kind of. This was a, this, these two films in particular were great to kind of like get started with, kind of wet the appetite a little bit, because mm-hmm. we got some big ones coming up here.
0: Yeah, he doesn't. Uh, he doesn't quickly. take too long, right?
1: Yeah, he starts to just pump out masterpieces like one after the other.
0: Yeah, unreal. So, yeah, unbelievable. Well,
1: I guess there's a reason why we're
0: talking about him. That's true. <laughs> that is <laughs> so. true. Well, that's all because of uh, Cassavetes, right? Saying, hey, don't, yeah. don't don't make that shit anymore.
1: Hey, idiot. Stop Stop doing this. Yeah,
0: start making good shit. Stop making bad shit. That's what he said, basically.
1: We all need someone like that in our life.
0: <laughs> <laughs> true. That is this. true. All right. Well, if you have any comments, suggestions, or uh, movies or directors that you'd like to hear us talk about, you can email us at plainlabelpodcast at gmail.com. You can follow the show over at Twitter. Our handle is at plainlabelpod. You can follow me over there. I'm at Williams 79 We also have an Instagram account. Just search for Plain Label Podcast, and you'll find us over there. If you wanted to help us out a little bit, you could check out our show notes, where you'll find the link to our Amazon wish list. And over there, I have, uh, you know, I have a few books by different uh, different directors, like William Friedkin. I have his book over there. I've got Ooh. some. I've got like the Mel Brooks collection that you could get me. I got all kinds of stuff over there that, you know, just waiting for someone to buy. Just waiting. <laughs> so I do want to thank Ben for coming on once again. If people wanted to hear more from you or get in touch with you, where could they do that? They can find me on Twitter at Ben Teed. Mm -hmm. T-I-E-D-E. Yes. Thank you. And what about uh, listening to you? Where could they listen to you? Oh,
1: yeah. I'm also on another show that I co-host with Zach Kersey and Will Piper, Mm -hmm. and that is called Pictures Within Pictures. You can find that at the same place you found this podcast
0: wonderful 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 well thank you for listening and join us next week when ben and i continue our look at martin scorsese with the films alice doesn't live here anymore and a little film called taxi driver